started. I guess we should at least introduce ourselves. Oh yeah, and what we're doing here. <laughs> uh, besides hanging out and enjoying each other's company. Yeah, we're good at that. Um, welcome to X-rated. X-rated. Uh, this is my first wife, Ryan Whedon. <laughs> and this is uh, my first divorcee, Matt Fisher. Uh, pleased to have you with us today. Yeah, thanks for thanks for sticking with it. Um, yeah, this is episode five. Yeah, five weeks we've been doing this now. Five weeks, yeah. I, I, it's shocking. It's a, it's a beacon of light in my otherwise dreary week. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's harsh if Mondays are your, (laughs) yeah. It, it it sweetens my Mondays for certain. Like, mentally, like, I'm, I still, like, I was not at work all day. Like, even though I was physically there, like, mentally I was like, I'm not here. Yeah. (laughs) I actually, too hard. I gotta be honest, I really, I, I look forward to doing this too. Yeah. And, um, I'm pretty, I've been pretty bad about watching these movies that we've been assigning ourselves ahead of time. I'm usually like cramming on Monday. Sure. Just like, ah. Yeah. Um, but this, this movie I watched earlier in the week, so today okay. I could really kind of crystallize what I wanted to say, which, sure. felt, which felt nice. It felt like I studied. Yeah. And prepared a little more. It's good to have a little distance, I feel, between the viewing and the talking, the talking. about. Yeah. Because it's like, you know how, like, if you go and you see, like, especially if it's, like, a long emotional movie, like a three-hour epic, yeah. and you walk out and your buddy's like, well, what'd you think? <laughs> and, like, the only thing you can say is, like, Leo was dreaming. <laughs> or, like, right after you eat a huge plate of Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. People are like, let's let's play a board game. <laughs> yeah. Or here's have some pie. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I don't know. I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I think I watched this either last Wednesday or Thursday. Okay. I got on it. Oh, yeah. You texted me early in the week. Yeah. I think that might have been what lit the fire for me to be like, oh, I need to get on this. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to that. Sure. I wanted to tell you. Yes. I went and saw Arrival. Oh, okay. Did you watch it yet? I haven't seen it yet. Um, I liked it a lot. Okay. I had I had read the short story before. Oh, okay. Um, Who's it by? Ted Chiang, I think oh. is his name. Um, and they do a very faithful job, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a lot like the story, and I was worried that they were going to have to kind of fluff it up the movie because it's not a very long story. And okay. I was, I was wondering how they're going to turn it into a feature length film. Yeah. Um, but they really don't have to pad it. They didn't pad it very much. Okay. I feel like the, the padding just came from, like, establishing shots oh. and things like that. So, um, I mean, our buddy, Denis, Denis Villeneuve, oh, as that? that's how you say it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is so embarrassing because in the first, our first podcast, I, I insisted her name was Claire Denise. Oh. But it's, it's probably not. It's actually probably Denis. Oh, okay. Wow. So, that... <laughs> Long-time listeners are finally getting their restitution. <laughs> that bachelor's degree I got in French literature is just... You can hear the toilet flushing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I recommend it. So sure. how, how does one get a, a bachelor's in French literature without, like, speaking French fluently? Oh, no, I had to. Yeah. Oh, you did? I wrote papers in French. Yeah, it was, um, it's funny because I actually found one a couple, like a year ago, I think I was cleaning out something, like one of my old papers, and I, I understood maybe half of it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's all just... Did you ever go to France? No. Did you ever go to Quebec? No. 
I don't know. You know, I was a really, I didn't know what I was doing. Honestly, that's this whole like get out of school, uh, high school, go straight to college. That's a mistake. That was not the truth. Some people, yeah, if you know what you want to do, I say go for it. But I had no idea what I was doing. So there, there needs to be like a two-year buffer zone where like people like are doing things like in the real world or something. Yeah. Like community service or the military or something that's not school right away. Right. I really could have used uh, like buffer year. Yeah. To just experience things before jumping in. Yeah. Uh, College was a little bit of a wash for me. <laughs> so well, I didn't, I went to school for like a year and a half and then stopped for 10 years and mm-hmm. then went back and man, if it's I, so much better. If I had stayed, I would have gotten like my bachelor's in like music journalism and would be just wretchedly poor today, <laughs> working in like a hugely competitive field for scraps. Oh yeah, be me and some hobo fighting over a bean. <laughs> what kind of bean? <laughs> Yankee. Oh <laughs> man, that's low. <laughs> Not even like a, a, a hearty kidney bean. <laughs> Or you're so, probably fighting over at least a can. Half a can, maybe. A can. <laughs> but, yeah. just in, I'd just be stuck in some push-up contest with some jack-off from high school <laughs> trying to get paid in exposure. <laughs> so, oh, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't end up going down that route. Because yeah. that just would have been a mistake. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, ten years after graduating from... Uh, actually, not ten years. It was five years after graduating from... Uh, regular college, I went back to school to the Art Institute to become an audio engineer. Oh, yeah. Um, and that didn't pan out so well either. I'm not really an audio engineer. <laughs> you got the setup. Here. That's true. I do. I do. I can do this. Yeah. But um, I'm still using those skills. Yeah. Parlaying uh, into your podcast empire. That's true. That's true. Uh, it just took, you know, 10 years to figure it out that that's what I want to do and not Make work, make other people's work. <laughs> you have like 60 years ahead of you. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking, I'm actually middle-aged, if you think about it. But you're not. You're going to live to be like 100. Is that the life expectancy these days? I mean, realistically, yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know how well, how often you go to the doctor, but... <laughs> I mean, if I upload my conscience into some kind of robot... Oh, oh that's yeah. another thing I started watching, um, is Westworld. Oh, the sh- okay. The show. Do you I, watch this? No, I haven't seen it yet. I thought you were going to say Transcendence. <laughs> What's that? The one with Johnny Depp where he uploads his consciousness into, like, a robot or a computer and then, like, it goes all dystopian and, like, suddenly he's, like, every computer. That I don't know. Awful. I awful. It. <laughs> it was supposed to be pretty bad. <laughs> I should probably see that. So. Um... Yeah, it's good. Westworld, I didn't like... I was really reticent to watch it, cause, or reluctant to watch it, because uh, I didn't like the movie very Oh, much. yeah, with Yul Brenner. Yeah. it's. I, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, it's like a million years old. Yeah, it's sort of like Michael Crichton <coughs> cutting his teeth on the Jurassic Park ideas. Yeah. he wrote the script, I think, for it. Yeah, he may have directed the movie. Maybe. I he, don't know. He has directed a couple movies. Like, he directed Coma with, like, Michael Douglas. Oh, um, and he directed Looker, and I want to say Albert Finney's in it, but it might have been Brian Cox. In fact, I think it is Brian Cox. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine was talking about it, and she said that 
it stars the guy who bit the soap in Super Troopers. <laughs> okay, so there you go. If, I, if memory serves, that's Brian Cox. Okay. Wow, Michael Crichton directed those, huh? Yeah, and like he wrote the script or wrote the book or did the something. Something else to it than that. But yeah, like his whole yarn is like, or his shtick in like everything is about how like advanced science will destroy us all. Yeah, pretty much. So. <laughs> and then didn't he turn out to be a real like staunch Republican at the end there? Oh, I don't know. Did he? Before he died. Probably. I kind of remember hearing you know, if that. You fear change. I think that would kind of by default make you conservative. Yeah. So. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Playing you something first. Okay. Oh man, and that's how we start off American Anthem. Directed by the person who directed Purple Rain. Yeah. Um, written by Who Cares. <laughs> it's just. Uh, lighting by the most ambitious lighting person so, ever. <laughs> uh, it's also uh, fogged quite ambitiously. <laughs> they, I don't know if they I, gave a, a credit to the fogger on that, but. Uh, they had that on pretty I, much the whole time. I hope they created an Academy Award category <laughs> and then took it away <laughs> just in 1986 when this movie <laughs> blessed cinema. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll do a quick synopsis. <laughs> Steve is a talented gymnast who has given up competition and is working at his father's bike shop. Julie is the new girl at his old gym who has moved to town to train with their powerful coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, Inspired by Julie, Steve resumes training while dealing with the conflicts of their personal lives and the stress of training they prepare for the U.S. Olympic trials. Yeah, that's that's it. Maybe if you had an elevator pitch. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It makes a lot less sense on screen. So, (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say, if, if, this movie has a failing. If, <laughs> it would be that they did not do a very good job of like illustrating the connections between these people. <laughs> For really, I'm going to say 75% of the movie, I had no idea what these different storylines had to do with Who one another. Who are these people? Yeah. It's never really clear... Um, what's the main character's name? The the guy. The yeah. Character. I can't remember his name. He, Steve. He does he break his arm playing football? Does he does his dad break his arm? Yeah. Did did he go into gymnastics after football for like rehabilitation purposes? I, I, I have written down here specifically that he was a competitive gymnast and like award winning like <laughs> football player and that he had to stop both. Like he, he like gave up both. Like he like it infers that he was so talented. 
that he could have had a career as either. Yeah, he had a full ride he turned down. Yeah, and we're not quite sure why he turned <laughs> it down, but that's besides the point. Yeah, it doesn't, there's a lot of unclear things happening. So, so I want to touch on a technical aspect of the film, if I might. Yeah, yeah. The beginning of the movie, after that, or really during the one that montage, music, yeah. yeah, the opening is just a montage, yeah, which I feel is is quite presumptuous of <laughs> of the director because montage is like you kind of are already supposed to be on board, like you're already supposed to be sympathizing with the people, yeah, and like for all we know, these people could be the villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> And <laughs> he's painting them in a very uh, flattering light, if that's yeah. the case. But yeah, I, I just felt like, A, it's a long montage. It's not a short montage. No. Because <laughs> it's a montage of like all the main players, all like doing their thing. And yeah, I just remember, I was like, I have no idea who these people are, but I'm supposed to be sympathizing with them. I can tell. <laughs> like, they're putting it out there for me. Did you notice... That the song is like literally telling you what's happening on the screen. No, every it's the song is called Two Hearts. I can't remember who it's by, but he's talking about a, a guy and a girl. And every time he says he's doing this, worried about living in the shadow of his father, and she's doing this, trying to find a new ambition or something. And every time it was singing about her, it'd be cuts to her. It was oh. so literal. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, okay. Which I thought I thought of you when watching it because I thought, oh, maybe Matt will like this opening because it really just lays it all out. It, yeah, it really does. <laughs> uh, what else was it? Oh, uh, it really, like, the movie as a whole, like, not just the opening scene, although that style of, like, montage or that type of music. Just every trope, it, 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 80s trope there is. It, it, this is, like, a, a crossroads of, like, different types of 80s movies. Mm-hmm. Like, it has that sort of, like, Purple Rain musical sort of quality to it. It's got the sort of uh, family drama that was also almost identical to Purple Rain. Yeah. <laughs> like, just... Like, yeah, especially, like, the problems with, like, the father, like, uh-huh. identical. Uh, it's got a little class anxiety. He's, wor- he's worried oh, that he's right. going to be, like, stuck in, like, the blue-collar living all his life. That's right. And then it's got, like, the post-Rocky, like, sports competition. Mm-hmm. But with none of the drama that goes with any of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... It like it, because it's like competitive gymnastics. It also has like a touch of like the '80s dance movie in there. Okay, like uh, uh, Footloose sort of, mm-hmm. uh, which also had like class anxiety and like worry about being stuck in the That's small right. town. So yeah, it was just like this big crossroads of like different like '80s tropes. Yeah, uh, which was great. It, I mean, it's like throughout the movie. Yeah, it's like you're watching. Uh, and music video, I think, for a lot of it, an '80s music video, yeah, and the like, way it's filmed, even the, all specifically the montages, because there's three or four, I think, that happened throughout the movie, and each one it was like, I just feel like I'm watching MTV in the '80s, you know, yeah. or like a really bad karaoke video, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> uh, I swear, like the gymnastics sequences lasted 
forever. Like, oh, uh, that's the oh, I forgot. That's the one thing I forgot about this movie when recommending is that the last forty minutes, yeah, is just a gymnastics competition. Yeah, and we get introduced to characters we've never yeah. seen before. I'll still take the competition over the exposition, though. Like, <laughs> I, I'll, really? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm almost the other way around. There, there's, there's a like gymnastics is sort of impressive. Also, like the Steve dude was really hot. Yeah, yeah. Like he was an actual gymnast who won yeah. gold medals and yeah. stuff. I would not mind being his apparatus. <laughs> Here his, we go. Now we can get some his, uh... his his pummel horse. <laughs> uh, we'll make those bars uneven. <laughs> uh, we'll even out those bars. I don't know. Uh. The ending is just is a real is really problematic for me in that a we get characters that we've never seen before yeah. we get and like focus on them for periods of time like who is that little teenage girl that's yeah. in there and yeah. it's like I didn't I don't know who, why nowhere. are we focusing this on is her? like prepubescent <laughs> gymnast whiz we're we supposed to care about her I guess so, yeah some sort of prodigy in the gymnast <laughs> world but yeah it's literally introduced in Act Three. <sighs> And also our best friend, Becky, um, who suddenly has a knee injury that we've never heard about before. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, just, like... And, and she has to power through it. Yeah, but... and suddenly we're focusing on her. I just, I think at the end I finally just wrote, like, whose movie is this anymore? Like, I don't know who I'm supposed to care about. I like this movie, especially during montages. They did this, like... So I, I don't want to say it's like a technique because I think it's just actual like lazy filmmaking. <laughs> but it's like where, you know, I'm like the beginning, the opening credits of like 70s television shows, how like the shot is like from someone's chest up mm-hmm. and like they're nodding and then like smiling and then like their name would appear mm-hmm. at the bottom. I felt like the montages were filled with so many shots like yes. that. <laughs> just like you couldn't hear the dialogue, but you could see someone responding to dialogue <laughs> and then like enthusiastically responding to dialogue. And they were just like, well, let's cut this dialogue, but we gotta keep that shot. I feel like, well, so there were three writers on this film, mm. which probably, you know, explains why it felt like nothing, yeah, nothing makes sense. Um, but. I can. I mean, in that case, I can see why they wanted to cut as much dialogue as yeah. possible. Just... Which you know they probably did. Like, <laughs> yeah. If we were to like count the amount of dialogue in this movie, it's probably pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. Like we have forty minutes of almost dialogue-free gymnastics. At the end. <laughs> uh, I do feel like we're skipping over one of the highlights of this movie though, oh. already. Oh yeah, go for it. Uh, the accident scene <laughs> in the beginning that sets his course awry <laughs> when he's he like gets up and then like he hasn't done any gymnastics for a while and he's twirling around and like he's going oh, faster yeah. and faster and everyone's <laughs> like no he's not gonna do it and I don't know what happened but it was basically like an explosion <laughs> went off <laughs> on the <laughs> on the judges table <laughs> and like he just went flying like sideways <laughs> into the judge into like the, the keeper. yeah and like i don't know like he's he's the way that he's spinning is is you know in a straightforward line and he's something like you know, Something happened. You feel like he'll go like forwards or backwards, and he went like forty-five degrees. <laughs> Did you notice he wasn't hurt at all either? Like 
everyone else the one guy like, like had like part of his skull missing <laughs> he's just like dang it I messed yeah up. <laughs> he gets up and walks away another guy like yeah whoever like the the scorekeeper whoever the dude is like right next to him yeah. watching him like, and then the he's fine the it. next time we see him by yeah. the way oh yeah not a lot of consequences in this film uh no i was i was confused as to why the coach seemed russian or polish maybe i don't know and what made him such a hot shot on that Sure. We get no zero backstory on him. We just you just have to believe because he was in that gymnastics magazine in the first montage that oh, says okay. he's an all star coach or whatever, and you just yeah. have to believe it, I guess, because we don't get any past on him. <laughs> um, oh, the other uh, charming aspect of this movie the <laughs> the music that the coach gives <laughs> like it's terrible. It's this little like plinky plonky like toy box music and like slide whistle at one point and it's like they push it as if this is like the music that's gonna like unlock her talent but she doesn't even use it in the end no like she sticks with it for like acts one and two she's like this one's gonna make it work and then like it's just never heard from again they just let that one go. And I gotta be honest, I there were a lot of times when she'd be practicing her floor routine and everyone would, just, there'd be reaction shots of her teammates and coach and everybody would be really upset with her. And us, and then I'd be like, well, that looked fine to me. And then when she actually did the performance, everyone was pissed at her and it's like, that looked really good. I don't yeah. understand why everyone's so pissed at her. We just have to trust, I guess. Again, there's a lot of trust and just, I guess that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like in uh, Whiplash when... Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. He would, he would say, like, oh, you know, you're dragging, you're rushing. Yeah. I'm like, is he? I, I'll, I'll have to take your word yeah. for it. <laughs> uh, it sounds fine to me. It sounds like drumming. <laughs> yeah, similar similar situation here. Um, but, yeah, it, so it's not just, like, the gymnastics music, but it was just, like, the, the, the crew's choice on, like, the score. Like, they always, like scored like the gym and like the training with this like light choral music yeah as, like, inferring that this is like a holy place uh and then it was always like rock and roll music with sweet saxophone solos oh, outside yeah. of there i loved um i actually really loved not loved i liked her cousin's synth music that he came up with for her oh my god but... when i saw him like composing i was like is this what ryan's like is this <laughs> is this the same routine that, that has come up with our awesome opening music. <laughs> I just hit demo on my on my keyboard and whatever comes out. That's actually what it sounded like he was doing, though. It sounded like he's, he, she walks in to practice and he just goes, start, hits the demo button and pretends to play along. I, I do actually kind of feel like that was another aspect of the film that was not thoroughly explored. Like, it kind of seemed like they had... A past or a relationship. Well, they're brother and sister, right? I think cousins. Cousins, okay. Because mm-hmm. his parents died, and then nobody came out to the funeral. And then, so that was like family tension for them. But then she's moving out to this place, and it's like, can I live with you? And he's all, okay. Because he was like the only one at the finale that like any of the competitors knew. Like whenever they like <laughs> cut... 
to like you know where it should be like a family member in the audience it was just this one girl's cousin right like there was no other friends or family there rooting them on and he knew Becky somehow yeah even though we've never seen them meet in the film we just have to assume that they're they know each other (laughs) yeah uh which you know I bought it sure people know each other and I will say if I had to save you know any part of this movie to put into some sort of like time capsule it would probably be cousin poodle hair's reaction shots during the finale uh, he is oh, giving yeah, he, 187% it was almost as if he didn't need that wheelchair yeah. like, did he need the wheelchair that was i wrote that down because sometimes he's walking sometimes he's like i did notice that it, it it seemed like yeah there was a couple times where i didn't know like if he was walking or just like propped up or standing but yeah because like he ch- gets up and cheers at some point <laughs> During the finale. And he's playing his keyboard standing up most of the time, but when yeah. he has to go to the door, he rolls in his wheelchair. Maybe he just sprained his ankle. <laughs> Both of them. And yet, the accident killed his parents. Yeah. <laughs> and he just got a sprained ankle. Maybe. I mean, yeah. who knows? <laughs> uh, if there was a drinking game for this movie, it would I would put it to dramatic turns. <laughs> there was an endless number of just like... Shots of, like, people walking and then, like, turning... Like, especially, like, the girls, like, hair fully, like, right. flowing <laughs> in the turnaround shots. Uh, I think... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, I mean, the girls, it was most noticeable because, like, most of them had a lot of hair. But, like, even, like, the guys, like, they got their fair share of dramatic turnaround shots. Yeah. Unfortunately, nobody in this movie can act, and therefore... No! It, it all kind of reaches... Like, not even... They didn't even, no like, get real climax. actors for, like, the supporting roles. <laughs> they were like, well, that'll just draw attention to how bad the leads are. <laughs> Pretty much. So, let's get equally untalented people <laughs> to fill in, like, the supporting roles. Because, yeah, it's like the coach had the worst Polish accent I've ever heard, or some Eastern European accent. Yeah. Uh, I think he's an actual actor, too. That's unfortunate. I know, and it's incredibly one-dimensional. And then there was, like, the female coach as well that was just just as stiff. What was... I don't think she had a nice thing to say the whole movie. She's pretty much dour from scene one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, she's sort of a Debbie Downer the whole time. (laughs) What? was with that scene when Steve sucks on an egg. <laughs> He's an asshole in that scene. I wrote down, because he breaks six different things, I think, as he's coming in the house. Okay. Because he comes in, he, like, throws his jacket, there's, like, crash. And then he, like, kicks off his shoes, and you hear, crash. And then he, like, when he's throwing the eggs shells, apparently egg shells can knock over something, you hear, crash. And I wrote down, at first I wrote down five, and then I had to, like, scratch it out because there's six that happens a little bit later because he just it's a whirlwind he just comes in and breaks shit just a <laughs> whirl of winds uh i wouldn't want him in my house either. yeah I just remember like he's like right in the fridge and he like takes a whole egg to his mouth and sucks it and i'm assuming he sucks it dry or he throws like a full egg over <laughs> his shoulder uh, and then he does it again he does it with two eggs he cracks it on his teeth sucks it out and then tosses yeah, I was like, what a weird thing to do. Well, what a dick move is yeah. what I want to say. Because he's living with his parents. Yeah. 
and just making a mess and breaking shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The mm. the the relationship of the family reminded me hard of Purple Rain. Just the exact dynamic. Same director. Yeah. I, mean, I think he just one trick pony that guy. Clearly has daddy issues and likes to likes to direct about that. So there's a, a love making scene. <laughs> and this is where the lighting designer got real ambitious with the blue. I, I was also going to say, uh, whoever greased them up, <laughs> like, they look like two county fair pigs. <laughs> it is a sweaty sex yeah, scene, it, isn't it? it, it sweat, I think, is, is, is even mean. This is like grease. <laughs> this is like, they got just Crisco'd up. <laughs> And had to, like, go at it on camera <laughs> under the bluest blue lights. The bluest of blue lights. The light, yeah, the lighting design, just in general in this movie, was really ambitious. And I I just kept, was distracted by it for most of the movie. That You'd see he, the lighting designer did this thing where they'd light the front of their face, but then behind them, if it was nighttime, you'd get red and blue. Yeah. So you'd just, like, on one side red, one side blue, I don't know... I don't know what that's supposed to do and like make them pop or something, but it was just distracting. It looked like somebody had colored the outlines of these people, <laughs> of the characters in a weird way. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the lighting, like there was constant different lighting sources. Yeah. Like there was no, no ounce of, of natural lighting in this movie. No. Uh, and, the, and the final scene, there's just like constant photographs being taken, like constant. strobe lights. <laughs> Through the whole last 40 minutes of the movie. Like, they have to get every shot of that huddle or whatever. Like, (laughs) they are unreal. Like, this... Relentless press. (laughs) Half-filled crowd just has an endless array of flashbulbs. It it got really distracting at the end. Uh, I still kind of... I did actually kind of like that (laughs) the last 40 minutes of, like... But we've given up on making a real movie. <laughs> so now we're just gonna let this be what it is. So you mentioned last week that you you had like a group of friends in college and you were you brought this over like, yeah. with the like hopes of like impressing them <laughs> uh-huh. and you never saw them again. <laughs> well they just I don't know, I never got invited back. Okay. <laughs> Maybe they just couldn't think of a worse movie after. Were these this. straight friends? Yeah, I think they were. Okay, I think that might have been what did it. Oh, too much too much male flesh? Yeah, I mean, this was a lot of male flesh. Well, that's why I like it. I mean, that's why I like <laughs> it. Uh, but I can see them thinking, like, oh, this little gay boy. It's a microaggression. It is, yeah. Is that our buzzword? <laughs> so it's a past microaggression. This therapy's been really helpful for me. Uh, let's see if, what else. I mean, we could talk about the inconsistencies of plot and character development in this movie forever. Yeah, I mean, now that you point out that there was three different writers, like, it does kind of feel like it was almost like three different movies. Yeah. Like, because there are, like, there's, like, Becky, there's Steve, and there's the other girl whose name I can't remember right off the bat. Barbie. Barbie. And, like, they never actually seem to intertwine that much. Until the end, but even at the end, it's just, they're all just kind of going for the same goal. It's yeah. like three writers wrote three one-act plays about competitive gymnastics, 
and the director was like, let's make it into a movie. <laughs> uh, and there's no cohesion. There's none. And there's no stakes. Like, I never felt that, you know, Steve wasn't going to make the team. I never felt like, what's her name, wasn't going to use the music, her cousin's music and her yeah. floor routine. Like, you can see yeah. this coming from the very beginning, you know? Yeah. Which just makes me wonder, maybe this mo- movie... Because, you know, the 80s was when people started to, or movie studios really started to market aggressively to younger demographics. Yeah. So maybe they're just trying to get, like, that tween to 16. People who can't accurately identify a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and just, I mean, maybe, was gymnastics really big? I meant to look this up because I know it came out in 86 and 1984 was when Los Angeles had the Summer Olympic Games. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that, like, there was some you know, movie studio producer who was just like, I've got it. Let's make a, let's make a gymnastics movie. It doesn't have to make sense. Oh yeah. Maybe like Americans swept gymnastics in 84 or something. Yeah. And so they were hoping to capitalize on it for the 88 Olympics or something. Right. And they just didn't care like plot wise or anything like that. They're just like, get something out, turn it out. And that's like, uh, when I was watching all the Friday the 13th movies, mm-hmm. I watched the seven-hour documentary on... Oh, jeez. Yeah, it took a couple nights. <laughs> um, but they talked about how in Friday the 13th 10, Jason goes to space, uh-huh. that it's like they had this whole script for, like, Jason in space, and, like, that's what the movie was gonna be, but, like, the year before Scream came out... Uh-huh. And so, like, every horror movie that came out, like, had to suddenly be meta. Right. They're just like, that's what the kids want. They want their movie, horror movies meta. And, like, they had to, like, shoehorn in all this, like, humor about, like, being self-referential. Oh, no. Uh, so I, I always think of that, like, when, like, one fad hits. Yeah. And how, like, studios just, like, hop on it without thinking up through right. about it. Uh, so yeah, I, I could see that being like the case here, like, like a single gymnast got popular in 84. Yeah. And so the next year they just spent like all their time trying to like capitalize <laughs> on like the popularity of like a single person. I want to say, wasn't that like when Mary Lou Retton got really big and like was on a Wheaties box and oh, crap maybe. like that? So yeah. And all li- all little girls wanted to be a gymnast, wanted to be her and so... I don't know. Yeah, it could be. This movie didn't feel marketed to little girls, though. It felt marketed to, like, teenage girls. Yeah. But... That's their demo. Because, yeah, it was like the dude definitely showed more skin than the ladies did. Yeah. But Blondie was really sexualized a lot, I felt. Yeah. Just doing the splits left and right. I mean, nonstop. (laughs) And there's, like, that one scene during her original dance performance where she, like, bends over and sticks her butt out oh, of the camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Sort of right. like, uh, I'm uncomfortable with this. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, like, objectifying in films, like, sometimes I'm like, are, like are, are, are they trying to, like, fool us? Like, <laughs> there's, like, no subtlety here. It's Zero. Like, we just want you to bend over in front of a camera. <laughs> That's what the scene is. Yeah, stick your butt towards the camera. Like a mandrill in heat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they had this... I, the, so, like, the knee thing at the end, when, like... Yeah. The, even though it was, like, out of the blue, and I was like, when did this develop? I actually thought that they, like, 
like her choreography fit it really well. I was like, if they had just introduced this in like act one and said think... that like all all it would have taken was like a shot of her like icing that knee. Yeah. Like that's it. I feel like there was a lot of opportunities in this film where they could have just said one thing or shown one shot of something yeah. and it would solve so many problems, you know? Because, uh, like, the scene itself, like, the choreography and, like, her, like, trying to power through, like, the knee injury, mm-hmm. like, I felt for her. I was like, oh, this is actually, like, really well done. Too bad it's in this movie. Like, <laughs> she was an actual gymnast, I think. Oh, okay. So I, I mean, that might be why they cut her, her dialogue so much, then. yeah. Because uh, other one, Blondie, our main character, whose name I can't remember, um, was not. She was actually a dancer. Oh, and, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, the director saw her do one dive in a movie she'd done previously where she did, like, a flip off a diving board. Okay. And he's like, oh, she can be a gymnast. So that's why uh, in the last gymnastic sequence, most of the people you see doing those actual tumbles and stuff, you're, you can see their face while they're doing it or, like, lead up to it. Whereas whenever Blondie does the, the running stuff, there's, oh. like, a pull away... And we don't actually see her doing the tricks. Or the lighting's really dark, and it's like she's backlit, you know, kind of situation. She's a regular Natalie Portman. Uh-huh. All a black swan. Exactly. Oh, or I was thinking, um, uh, what's her name from uh, Sex and the City? Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker um, in Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Oh, yeah, because like, <laughs> she like does a bunch of flips in that movie. Yeah, whenever, <laughs> whenever it becomes complicated dancing... They pull that camera they, way, way back. back. <laughs> like, nosebleed section <laughs> in the stadium back. Are we still... Who is that? <laughs> um, but that's what, something I wanted to talk about was the soundtrack for mm-hmm. this movie. Um, and this was when movies used to... Or movie studios used to release a soundtrack with a bunch of tunes that weren't necessarily in the movie. Yeah. It'd be like... I think this was Warner Brothers, so they had like a music department plus you know their movie department so they go to their music department like we have this movie that's got these themes so like who wants to make a mixtape and throw some sure throw some songs on there um and it's actually decent there's like in excess and there's a stevie nicks song on there yeah i noticed like the in excess was like i didn't hear that during the movie (laughs) yeah i know that's what they used to do And and another good example of that well i think they actually put these in the movie for this one but like the crow soundtrack is one but like oh Actually, the soundtrack to The Crow is probably the best part of The Crow. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Because if I remember correctly, it has, like, Nine Inch Nails on it. It Mm -hmm. has, like... The Cure. Yeah, back, like, right as, like, The Cure was about to get bad. It's (laughs) like they caught him in that, like, last fleeting moment. Yeah. Um, That was a very um, influential album for me. The Crow soundtrack? Yeah, as a teenager growing up. I can see that. Uh, sort of like the Space Jam soundtrack was. To me. <laughs> um, is SpaceJam.com still live? Last I heard it was just a couple years ago. But yeah, this is this is like there was that period in the eighties where it was like they were really trying to get like as much music into the movies as they could. Mm-hmm. Like I remember hearing David Cronenberg talk about how like in the Fly, the studio was offering them like a lot of money. To have, you know, the scene where, like, Jeff Goldblum is, like, out on the town, he's all, like, right. hopped up, and he arm wrestles with that guy. He breaks and, like, his arm. Breaks yeah. his arm. There's supposed to be, like, a rock song in there, and David Cronenberg didn't want to, like, say who it was and, like, who he turned down, but he just, he he turned it down because he thought it, like, broke up, like, the flow of the movie, and uh-huh. then uh, it, like, just didn't match, like, Howard Shore's score for it, 
And then I swear, like two days later, I watched. Have you ever seen Body Double? Uh, Brian De Palma film with like Melanie Griffith. That sounds really familiar. It's like I Chuck Wasserman, I think is the guy's name, something like that. Okay. Um, he he like moves into like one of those like horrible looking like eighties lofts where it's like a house that's like on a pole <laughs> and it's like a big like flying saucer that's like on oh, a pole. Yeah. And he's got, like, a sexy neighbor, and he's, like, voyeuring her. Okay. And then, like, witnesses her getting murdered, and then he tries to, like, solve who murdered her. Okay. Uh, it's sort of like Rear, Rear window. window and Vertigo in, like, one movie. Mm. Rear Windigo. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that, so there's a scene in that where, like, he goes to this, like, underground, like, sex club. Okay. And Frankie goes to Hollywood, starts playing. <laughs> And it's like, A, it, like, the music itself is like, because, like, the scene is, like, synced up with it. It's like, oh, my God, this is so out of place. And then Frankie shows up, <laughs> and he's lip-syncing to the song. Like, it's, like, the movie becomes a music video. Yeah. And then, like, goes back into being a movie. And I was like, oh, God, I hope that's, like, not what they tried to do with, like, Cronenberg's The Fly. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, what would be the be... band? I don't, like, I really wish that, like, David Cronenberg had said that it was, like, yeah, they were trying to work in, uh, you know, Tommy Two-Tone or something. <laughs> the Brian Setzer Orchestra. <laughs> oh, God. Jeez, yeah. I mean, that's when, the 80s was when they were trying to kind of come up with that synergy thing, you know, of, like, yeah. cross-platform marketing and, like, let's see how many ways we can get our tentacles out on this one project. Work for Harry Belafonte and Beetlejuice. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, well, sometimes it's successful, for sure. Yeah. But that's because they're like... I'll bet Tim Burton came to them and was like, I want to use this. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it was... I don't think anyone was really trying to push Harry <laughs> Belafonte. You know who's due for a comeback? <laughs> Good old Harry. So I'm thinking Exorcist 3. <laughs> okay. Yeah? I've never seen it. Oh, okay. I haven't seen the second one either. I've don't only seen the first even, one. Don't even watch it. Just jump uh, in on Exorcist 3? Yeah, the, the second Exorcist movie is complete bullshit. Okay. Like, A, it looks like shit, and like, B, it makes no sense. Um, and like, Linda Blair's not a great actress. <laughs> um... Like, she was good in the first Exorcist, and that continues to be, like, one of my favorite horror films. Um, yeah, the third Exorcist is great, because it's, it's, like, it takes place, like, in the same universe and deals with, like, some of the same themes. And it was written and directed by the guy who wrote the original book. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I read the book. I can't remember his name. William Peter Blady? Is that it? I think so. Okay. I'll go with... I'll trust you. Um, anyone who's ever had to, like, slog through a horror franchise, like, knows that it's it's more chaff than wheat. And that, like, the diamonds are, like, few and far between. <laughs> and so, like, when you come across something like Exorcist 3 that's, like, 
actually good mm-hmm. and like is actually like in contention with like the original. Oh wow! Uh, it's just it's so refreshing. <sighs> okay, this the original. Um, I still like. I still think it's a great yeah. movie. Um, the the thing that still gets me though when I when I think about it is the dream sequence at the very beginning. Yeah, I mean we can talk about this more next week, but like just that like quick shot they do of the face. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I think I know what you're talking there's about. Like the, yeah. There's just a quick cut of a really scary face. Yeah. Um, and it's still, I think, is terrifying. And I don't know why, even when I know it's coming. Yeah, the, I remember I watched it a couple years ago. And I was, like, watching alone in my room. And there was just, like, it's, like, Ellen Bernstein's, like, in the attic, like, walking through. And, like, obviously someone just, like, shot a thing of, like, you know flammable gas like towards the candle that she was holding Uh but it like it had such a presence to it that like it startled me (laughs) uh i I don't know it's one of those things that like it harkens back to like you can make like bigger more perfect flames like using cg but there's something about like it's like my eyes can still tell what's real and what's not Mm -hmm. uh and i don't know like it it just came so out of the blue because she's just walking around and, like, it just goes with, like, her natural rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, shocks me. Uh, and there's, like, a scene where, like, right before that where it's, like, they flash that scary face, like, in the Ugh. corner in the dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. There's yeah. this, apparently there's a scene where she gets, when Regan or whatever the daughter's name is, pushes her over. Mm-hmm. Um, and she falls and lands on her back. Yeah. She actually hurts her back. And oh, so really? this like you hear this terrible scream come out of Ellen Burstyn and that's not acting. <laughs> yeah, I guess Ellen Burstyn did not like working with William Friedkin cuz like he like would constantly like actually like, jump out of places and scare her. <laughs> <laughs> if if you ever get a chance to like listen to one of Friedkin's interviews, like he's on the Mark Marin podcast and uh-huh. he was interviewed by like Alec Baldwin on his podcast. Okay. He has got some stories. <laughs> like he and he's got like good ones about like the exorcist and like the trials of like casting Linda Blair and stuff like that. Uh-huh. No, he he's Ooh. definitely worth like listening to. He should go on the Ellen show and then she could scare him. I would enjoy that. He's so stoic, though, I doubt he'd be scared. <laughs> he's just professional. He's got his suit. Some people you can't startle. Yeah, he strikes me as one of those people. Mm, that's a bummer. Like, can, can you imagine trying to scare Alfred Hitchcock? <laughs> you think he's going to jump when he's in poo? <laughs> no, but I want to try. <laughs> um, Boo! Boo! <laughs> 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 He'll inflate his neck sack because he feels threatened. Uh, here we are, maligning the dead. Are you sure it's not going to be like a Jurassic Park where like the things like yes, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Craig. Michael Craig. <laughs> we have a Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. X rated movies. We have a Facebook. Rated X movies. And um, you know, tell your friends. Rate. Subscribe, do all that noise. Uh, yeah. Um, rate, subscribe, like, uh, contribute your thoughts. You know, um, try and and play nice. So haters to the left. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're gonna hate, because haters are gonna hate. Haters are gonna. 
I mean, we we just can't control that anymore. But yeah, we like a lively conversation as much as the next person. Um, Until then, I will, you know, go to Hitler comparisons at the drop of a hat. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we will gladly Michael Crichton Hitler anytime. <laughs> Michael Crichton. I don't know. He, he really once and just... <laughs> he really got it this episode. <laughs>